welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. your guests are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here today. Last week, we started a brand new series called What's Love Got to Do With It? And it's a play on that Tina Turner song from back in 1984. And, and last week, I mentioned the fact that that was her first and only number one hit at the age of 44. But what you might not know about that song is it wasn't actually written by Tina Turner. In fact, it was presented to other artists um, who rejected it. For several years, this song went unreleased until finally there was a British pop group by the name of Bucks Fizz. Any Bucks Fizz fans in the room? Okay, I didn't think so. I Googled them. They're terrible, okay? But, but they actually, you might not know this, they actually recorded What's Love Got to Do With It a few months before Tina Turner released it. But the reason why they sang it is because they thought that this song was unsuitable for a female lead singer, so they went ahead and recorded it. But needless to say, when Tina Turner's uh, version came out, it kind of blew that out of the water, and the Buck Fizz version actually remained unreleased until 2000. But again, you can Google it and listen to it if you want to. Why do I tell you that? Why is that important? Because a lot of times we think things are obvious, and they're not. Conventional wisdom, as we call it, is not always what actually happens, right? Just because you think something won't work doesn't mean it will. Which again brings us to the series that we're making a play on, this song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And it asks some really good questions. That's why we're using this song to talk about it. See, it talks about what's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? And then the key question is, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And that's the problem, isn't it? See, we have a fear of being hurt, and it keeps us from truly loving. Every single one of us has experienced rejection or pain or humiliation, and we keep ourselves back and hold ourselves back so we can avoid those hurts. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And I'm not just talking about romantic love. This happens in family, doesn't it? Brothers, sisters, parents, cousins, aunts, and uncles. Sometimes there's hurt that happens, and it's easier, we think, just to sever that relationship and not, not even be in that part of the relationship. It happens in friendships all the time, doesn't it? That's why we have these things. It's really easy to connect with people by a screen, but it's a little different in person, isn't it? Because then you've got to be a little more risky, and you have that opportunity to be hurt and be rejected from that. It never feels good. But most importantly, and what we're talking about it here in the series is, unfortunately, this happens in the church, doesn't it? Sometimes the church is the source of that hurt and that pain. And so we protect from that. We never truly experience the love that we were intended to do. And that's the problem because when it comes to God's church, the church that Jesus established, this is the most important thing. And last week I introduced you a verse. It's going to be on the screen behind us. John 13, 34 and 35. This is the words of Jesus. I'd like us to again read this out loud together. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said the key ingredient to being a follower of me is love. It is the one thing that sets Jesus' followers apart from the rest 
of the world. It determines who are my followers, but most importantly, it is a sign to everyone else in the world that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And church, when this has been done right throughout human history, in every culture, in every language, for the last 2,000 years, when Jesus' followers truly love each other this way, it changes everything about their lives, their family, their community, and their culture. And please understand, I believe with all my heart that can happen again right here in Yankton, South Dakota, with a group of us that truly love one another. So help me out with this, church. What's love got to do with it? Everything. That's good. Only the second week, and you guys are getting that. But there's a problem, isn't there? We talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it every single week. Here's the problem. People are difficult to love. Now, none of you are difficult to love at all. <laughs> other pastors and other churches that I talk to say that they have people that are sometimes difficult to love, right? And I'm sure your spouse, if, if we were to talk to them, they say, oh, no, you're never difficult to love, right? Some people are difficult to love. And here's the tension. As followers of Jesus, we are called to love. But sometimes people are difficult to love. So how do we live in that tension? So glad you asked the question, because back in the first century, when Jesus walked planet Earth, there were men and there were women in real relationships who were walking with this tension. There was a guy named Paul. There was a guy named John. I mentioned this last week. There was a, not a guy named Ringo. That's another Paul and John, okay? But there was a guy named Peter. There was a guy named J James that were walking in this idea. Okay, to follow Jesus means they need to love other people. But I have these people in my life that are really difficult to love or make it really difficult to love them. What do we do with that? And these guys, Peter, Paul, James, John, used the technology of the day, which was paper and ink, and they would write letters about how this happens. And the churches would save these letters and copy these letters and hand them down for generations. And we have today what we call our New Testament, full of these letters about how we live in this tension. But I want you to remember, again, this wasn't the Bible that they were writing. These were real people in real situations saying, how do we love one another? And last week, we kicked off our series by looking at Peter. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go to our website, yankton.church, go to our YouTube channel as well, and catch up on that. But we talked about how do we love people when they hurt us? When somebody does something or says something that hurts us, what are we to do as Jesus' followers? And Peter told us three things. To be sympathetic, to be compassionate, and to be humble. And so today, we're going to look at another guy, a guy by the name of Philemon. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Philemon. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. You can download version. It's a free app on any smartphone or device. If you have a paper Bible and you find Philemon, you are doing really, really good because it's only one page long, okay? It's right before Hebrews. If you go to the end of the Bible, find Hebrews. Philemon is literally right before that. On your phone, it goes a little easier. That's why I use my phone. It's hard to find, right? But here's the thing about Philemon. It's a very short letter. It's actually only 25 verses long. So this afternoon, I would encourage you to go home and read the entire letter to Philemon. And then you can go to work tomorrow and say, I read an entire book of the Bible yesterday. <laughs> you can feel really, 25 verses. But, but what's going on in these 25 verses? See, there are three main people in this letter that I want to kind of unpack for you. The first one is a guy named Paul. Paul is the guy who wrote the letter. This is the Apostle Paul. 
He would travel all over the known world at that time, planting churches and spreading this idea of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Paul wrote this letter to his friend, a guy by the name of Philemon, which is why we call the letter Philemon, right? You with me? Okay, so Philemon is the guy who the letter was written to. We don't know a lot about Philemon, but one of the things that we think is that Philemon was actually at a church in a town called Colossae. Why we believe that is because Paul wrote another letter called, we call it Colossians, because it was written to Colossae, and we think that Philemon was there, and actually the letter to Colossae was delivered at the same time the Philemon letter was written directly to Philemon. Paul wrote a letter to the church, and then he wrote a letter specifically to this guy named Philemon. But there's a third person in this scenario that's very important, a guy by the name of Onesimus. Now, Paul is writing the letter to his friend who? Philemon. Okay, Paul is writing the letter to Philemon, and it's about this guy named Onesimus and the relationship that they have together. Why is that important? Because these are real people in real relationships, in real places who actually existed who are walking through the tension of Christ calls me to love as he loves, but people are difficult to love. And there was a tension between Philemon and Onesimus, and we are going to unpack that together. The first seven verses of Philemon, Paul gives a lot of greetings towards Philemon. He talks about his love for him and their connection. What it tells us is Paul and Philemon weren't just casual acquaintances. They were brothers who truly loved each other, and Paul had a deep love for Philemon. But in verse 8 is where we're going to start at. This is where Paul kind of gets to the point of why he's writing this letter to Philemon. Verse 8 says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Now I want to stop right there for a second. We've just established something that Paul has authority over Philemon. To which you might ask, what is Paul's authority over Philemon? Is he his boss? Is he his dad? Is he, you know, what, what is the authority that Paul has over Philemon? It's very important you understand this. Paul is Philemon's pastor. Now, Paul is not there physically with Philemon, but Paul, we know, was the guy who led Philemon to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul discipled Philemon, as it were, taught him what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, and now Philemon is part of this church. We believe it's in Colossae where Philemon is leading that. It's very obvious that. Here's why this is important, and this is important for two reasons, and, and, and this could be an entire message, but I know you guys didn't pack a lunch, okay? So, so just bear with me as we walk through this because this is so important. Philemon has an authority over, Paul has an authority over Philemon as his pastor. This is what I say. If your pastor doesn't have a pastor, find a new pastor. Okay, you with me on that? As a pastor, you need to have an authority. This is a biblical authority. And I have an authority. His name is Pastor Keith. You've heard me talk about him. He's my pastor. He's not just my pastor. He's my friend. He's my brother. And everything that he's poured into me now, I'm doing here in Yankton to help reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a biblical authority to that. If you have a pastor that doesn't have a biblical authority, you have a cult leader. That's where cults come from, okay? That's why we have established that. But here's the second thing you need to understand about this. As a Paul, as Philemon's pastor, has an authority over Philemon. Philemon submits to the authority of Paul. Did you know that as your pastor, I have a, a biblical authority? Now, you might say, whoa, whoa, whoa. well, we'll talk about that, <laughs> okay? But, but here's what I want you to understand, and, this, and I promise I'll move on after this. This might hurt a little bit. Just because you attend this church doesn't mean I'm your pastor, 
Okay? Just because you come here and sit and listen to me on Sunday doesn't make me your pastor. There is a biblical authority that happens with that. I'll say the other thing is also true. There are people who are part of our community who consider me their pastor and have never set foot in this church before. Because why? To be a pastor means that you submit an authority to that person. That's what Philemon is saying to Paul. Paul's saying to Philemon, that's what we need to do as well. Now, I'm going to move on, but that's a, that's a good point to say on. But why do I say this? Paul has an authority over Philemon. Paul's authority is not given by a position, by title, or power. Paul's authority comes from Jesus Christ. As his pastor there is no authority other than what is given by Jesus Christ. I didn't come to Yankton to pastor under my own idea and my whim. I did because I, in my room that day, God said to me, as clearly as I'm looking at you guys, there's people in Yankton who need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I submit to that authority. It was affirmed by my pastor and by my network and my denomination to come down here and say that. But I don't have any authority other than the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying to Philemon. But here's the part that I don't want you to miss. Although Paul has that authority as Philemon's pastor, look what he says in verse 9. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. This is so important, and if you miss anything else that I say, I want you to make sure you understand this one idea. Paul is saying to Philemon, as your pastor, I have an authority that comes from Jesus Christ. But yet, instead of appealing to that authority, I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of love. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about a time when someone had authority over you. Maybe it's at a job. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was your parent. You with me on this? Think of a time where someone had an authority over you. And I guarantee you, at some point, someone who's had authority over you has exercised their authority solely on the basis of their authority. Let me give you an example. They might have said something to the effect of, you're going to do what I told you to because I, because I said so, right? Anybody else have that teacher? All right. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you this on the basis of my authority. You're going to listen. And I guarantee you, you probably, you might have complied because of that authority, but I guarantee you didn't like it, did you? What Paul is saying is, listen, you can use your power and your position and your title, but it's more effective on the basis of love. I'm going to appeal to you as love. Philemon, I love you. We have a great relationship. And yes, I'm your pastor. And yes, I have this authority. But instead, I'd rather appeal to you on the basis of love, not my authority. Why would Paul do that? Where did Paul get this idea from? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. Stay in Philemon, but I'm going to show you something in Matthew chapter 20. This is where Jesus is talking. Jesus called them together, and this is what Jesus said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And then he says these four words, not so with you. Jesus is saying, you know the people of this world, they use their position, they use their title, they use their power, they use their authority to keep you in your place, to make sure that you know that you are subordinate to them. But not so among you. When you are part of God's kingdom, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are given a position, a title, a power, or an authority, what do we do with that, Jesus? He goes on to tell us in verse 26. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you 
must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Really. So, what does that mean? Here's, here's what you can write down if you want. In the kingdom of God, the greatest people, the people that have the position, the power, and authority are the servant. Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying to Philemon, and don't miss this, that if you use your position, your power, your title to have authority over someone else, not so among the kingdom of God. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you become a servant. And in fact, Jesus even used the word slave. Now, why is that important to Philemon and Paul? Because look at verse 9 and what Paul writes to Philemon. It is none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you on behalf of my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Now, got to catch you up before we move on just so you understand how this works, and you can read the rest of it this afternoon. Onesimus was Philemon's slave, okay? Now, when we think of slavery, we think of American slavery, which is sin, okay? That was an exploitation of an entire race of people, not okay. What we're talking about here is not that. This is a form of what we might call indentured servitude. Back in the first century, there wasn't food stamps, there wasn't welfare. If you had money, and there's somebody who is in need, you either supported them financially or basically they, in a sense, worked for you. They took care of you. You helped them out. They worked for you. You provided for them. You with me on this? It was almost more like an employment. At some point in this relationship, Onesimus left Philemon. We don't know why. We don't know when. We don't know the circumstances. Most scholars think, and I can show you later in the verses, that Onesimus actually stole money from Philemon and ran away because he was scared. Okay? So, Onesimus, Philemon's slave. Something happens, Onesimus runs away. At some point, Paul and Onesimus' path cross. And Paul takes in Onesimus. Maybe he knows, hey, aren't you Philemon's? What's going on? What's that? What's happening? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up, right? That might have been what happened. But anyway, Onesimus comes to Paul, and Paul actually leads Onesimus to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul writes this letter to Philemon saying, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, but I'm going to give you this letter as well because there's an important thing, Philemon, that I need to teach you right here. Isn't that awesome? There's a lot of drama there. There's a lot of stories. See, forget Netflix. You should read your Bible, right? Okay, so, so what happened here? Philemon, verse 11. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. Now, i got to stop right here, too, because this is, this is probably one of my favorite parts of this message, okay? That right there is a dad joke. How many of you know dad jokes? Anybody know dad jokes? Okay, dad jokes are kind of a play on words. If you don't know what a dad joke is, I'm going to give you an example of one. This is one of my favorites, right? I ordered a dozen bees, but I got 13. Looks like I got a freebie, all right? Anybody? <laughs> See, the people laughing are my people. I love dad jokes, all right? What you don't know, and again, this is why you should be part of those Bible studies and you should read this class, this, take these classes, learn about God's word. The name Onesimus in Greek is almost the same as the Greek word for useful. Now think about that. If you had a slave or a servant and their name was actually useful, that's a pretty good thing, right? What's Paul doing here? Paul is making a joke to Philemon. 
He says, yeah, this guy used to be useless to you, but now he's Onesimus or useful to you, right? And Philemon probably rolled his eyes when he said that. But anyway, moving on, verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you did would not seem forced, but would seem voluntary. I'm going to remind you what Paul said in verse 8. I have an authority, but I'm going to give you a choice, Philemon. I don't want to force you to do this. I'm going to give you the option, but I'm going to explain why you need to do that. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. I don't want you to miss this, church. Philemon has authority over Onesimus. We believe that Philemon has the authority to punish Onesimus for doing something wrong. Onesimus ran away for whatever reason. Paul is sending him back, and Paul says, Listen, Philemon, I understand that you have authority over Onesimus, but I have authority over you. And Jesus Christ has authority over every single one of us. And I realize that Onesimus might have done something wrong to you, and he might have hurt you. But understand, we've done the same thing to Jesus Christ. And I know, Philemon, that you have authority over Onesimus, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to receive him back no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ Jesus. Why would Paul instruct that? Because when you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are given a position of title, a position of power, or a position of authority, remember the words of Jesus, not so among you. To be great in God's kingdom means you to serve all. You are to be the slave to everyone. As followers of Jesus Christ, the greatest person in the kingdom of God is the servant. And we, Paul is teaching Philemon, our job is to be servant leaders. To which you might push back. And, and to be honest with you, Philemon might have pushed back. But okay, Paul, but he still owes me. He took from me. And we do this all the time, don't we? Yeah, I get it. But this person, they need to understand that's not okay. Do I need to surrender my authority to this person and, and, and let them hurt me like that and, and think that it's okay? Do I just forgive it? Won't I lose respect if I do that? To which Paul models something for Philemon that's so important. Look at what verse 18 says. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, Charge it to me. Wait a minute, Paul. This isn't your debt. Paul, this is something that Onesimus did. So what you're saying is, is this that he, you're going to pay it back? To which Paul would say, yeah, you know why? Because the greatest in the kingdom of God is who? The servant. The servant is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Paul is going to pay it back. Why would Paul do that? Because Jesus did the exact same thing. For Philemon. He did the exact same thing for Onesimus. He did the exact same thing for Paul. He did the exact same thing for you and for you and for me as well. Paul said, listen, I understand if he's owes you, if he hurts you, I will pay it back even though it's not my debt. And this is why, again, I think you should read your Bible. This next verse is hilarious, okay? And I'm going to walk you through this. Verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back. Here's what you need to understand. Paul is dictating this letter. Someone else is writing the letter to Philemon, and Paul's saying it, and he's writing it. You know, it takes time. They've got to dip their little quill in. They've got to write on the paper, right? And it's almost as if, and I don't know if this happened. This is just me talking. 
It's almost as if when Paul got to this point, he was so passionate, he wanted Philemon to understand it. It's like he grabbed the pen from the guy who was writing it and wrote, I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I want you to get it. Philemon, who had that great relationship with Paul, I wonder if when he read that, I wonder if he rolled his eyes. First he made a dad joke, and now he's writing these letters to me, right? I wonder if that's what Philemon said. Because Paul wanted him to understand how important this was. But look at what Paul said next. Not to mention that you owe me your own very self. Philemon, don't you forget about the fact that you were lost and you were separated from Jesus Christ. And I came to you, and because of our relationship, because of what I poured into you, you now are not a slave to your sin, Philemon. You're set free, and you're a child of God. And now so is Onesimus. And so am I, and so are you. And Christ did the same thing for Paul. He did the same thing for Philemon. He did the same thing for Onesimus. And he did the same thing for every single one of us in this room because we need to understand that any time you are given a position of authority, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant. Now, we all need to take a breath because <laughs> that's a lot of information. And it feels kind of like spiritual whiplash. I don't know about you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three things that I really need you to understand from this passage. And if you want to write these down, if you just take notes on your phone, go ahead and do that. But I'm going to give you these three things that Paul taught Philemon that, please hear this, any time you are in a position of authority, remember the words of Jesus, not so among you. This is how we are to respond. Servant leaders, here's the first one, servant leaders appeal to love first. Not your authority, not your title, not your position, not your power, but love. I'm going to remind you what he said in verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Anytime you are in a position of authority, whether it's at work, whether you're a parent, whether any time in your situation, love, not your position. It's just more effective. Think back to the situation I had you to think about before. When somebody exercised authority over you and they just did it because I said so, you complied, but you didn't have the relationship. But if you would start with love, listen to what Paul's saying. Philemon, I love you so, so much. And because I love you, I want you to be more like Christ. And I know this is going to be hard. I know this is a big ask. I know it's easier to be mad and to be frustrated and to hold them accountable. That's what you want to do in your humanity. We understand that. We recognize this. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, instead, Philemon, would you be willing to start with love? Because I want to start with love for you. Now, Please understand something and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If the person does not respond in love, okay, if they don't respond to your love, let me say it that way, if they still are going to do their own thing and you have authority, sometimes you need to exercise that authority, right? I'm not telling you don't exercise that authority. What I'm saying is start with love. You see the difference between the two? Start with love, and if they don't respond to love, then you need to exercise your authority because God does this for us too as well, doesn't he? Friends, I say this with a broken heart. There will be people in hell. 
there will be people that despite God's love, despite his grace, despite the free gift that he offers, will still choose to reject it. And God will look at them and say, thy will be done. He will not force you to do anything. He is a God of love. He doesn't want that, but that's why we start with love. Give them an opportunity to respond in love. But here's the second thing that's so important. We appeal to love, but we give them a choice. Servant leaders give a choice, not make demands. Again, look at what Paul says in verse 14. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not be seen forced, but seen as voluntary. I want to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The greatest gift that God ever gave mankind was the gift of choice. He put a tree in the Garden of Eden, and he said, you can eat from any tree you want in all of creation. All of this I give you. This one right here, stay away from it. Don't even go there. And I'm gonna, I don't want you to be puppets on a string. I'm going to give you a choice so you can do that. And what did we do as humans? <laughs> we went right for the one thing <laughs> that God said not to do. Why do we do that? Because God gave us a choice. Paul is giving Philemon a choice. Listen, I can order you to do this. I have the authority to, but I love you and I want what's best for you. You make the decision. Parents, oh my goodness, this is parenting gold. And I wish I would have known this so much earlier in my kids' life. It would have saved so much. If you're a parent in this room, please understand this idea. This one thing will change your parenting. Give your kids a choice. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, as a parent, or at any time you're in authority, you still get to decide what the choices are. Don't surrender your authority to your kids. Let me give you an example. Would you like to eat your peas, or would you like to eat your carrots? Right? You have a choice. You can decide which one you want to go to, but I'm still making the choices. You know what I'm saying? I'm still giving you the, you're going to do one or the other, but you get to decide. Why? Because that's something that's inside of us. That's a God-given gift inside of us that says, listen, you have a decision to make. You get to decide and you get to choose. When you take choice off the table and you just say, I'm going to do this based on my authority, you lose the love. That's not love. That's forcing somebody to do something. You with me, church? Servant leaders appeal to love. They give a choice. But here's the third one, and this is so important that you don't miss this one. Servant leaders remember where they came. Servant leaders remember where they came. Paul reminded Philemon, you were lost and broken when I found you. And, and, and I still loved you and I still bared with you and your burdens. And Paul would say later in some of his writings, he would say, listen, I'm the worst sinner. I, I, was, I was literally killing Christians but yet God saved me and God redeemed me. Church, you need to understand that every position of authority you have was given to you by God and he will take it away. Someday, no matter what position you hold, you will no longer hold that position. There will come a day where I will no longer be pastor of Celebrate Community Church of Yankton. That day will come. And I have this mentor who I love dearly who said this to me when we first moved here. I'm so appreciative. He said, Jeff, you need to understand something very important. God was in Yankton before you're there, and God will be in Yankton long after you're gone. Your job is to steward the relationships that God has given you in that time. Don't think too highly of yourself. 
yes, as your pastor, if I'm your pastor, I have a biblical authority over you. But I want you to understand something. I'm the least of these. I have no right to stand up here and have a microphone and to tell you what God wants for your life. But I do it because of what God has done for me. And because of the love he's shown me and because of the grace that he's shown me. And this is what Paul is saying to Philemon. And what he's hoping Philemon will teach to Onesimus is, listen, outside of Christ, we are nothing. We deserve hell. We deserve his wrath. But look at his great love for us. Why can't we overcome the hurts that other people have done for us? And do the same for them. Never forget where you came from. Look at verse 18 one more time. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Paul wanted to make sure that Philemon understood this. And he wanted to make sure that Philemon understood it, not just for Philemon, so that Philemon could show it to Onesimus as well in the church there at Colossae. And Paul wants you and I to understand the same thing here in the United States of America. That if you want to be great in the kingdom of God and you have been given position and authority, do not lord it over people as the world does. But instead, you become a servant to everyone. You want to be greatest in the kingdom of God? Become a servant. And I'll remind you one more time of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 20. Paul didn't make this up. He took it right from Christ. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Friends, again, anytime you're given authority in the kingdom of God, start with love first. Give them a choice, but never forget from where you came. Never forget where your authority comes from. It only comes from Christ. And Jesus Christ was the example of this. God in human skin came down to planet Earth and loved us even though we didn't deserve it. He bent down and washed the disciples' feet and he said, now that I've done that, now you go and do that too. Don't think so highly of yourself. And please understand, if there's a debt to be repaid, it should be repaid. But be a leader and step in, just as Christ did for us. Now, what you might be thinking, and I don't want to leave you hanging, what happened? What happened to Onesimus? What happened? Here's the answer. We have no idea. <laughs> Except for we have this letter, and it's named Philemon. And it was saved generation to generation to generation. It was copied and copied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and we have it here today. I think Philemon got it. And I wonder if Philemon were preaching messages one day, and he stood up, and maybe his buddy Onesimus was sitting in the congregation. He said, man, i got to tell you this story, man. This guy, Onesimus, he, he was my, my slave. He was working for me. He stole from me. He ran away. Man, I was ticked at him. <laughs> Man, I was like, I got to find that guy. And I heard Paul found him. I'm like, great, all right. Now we get to get this back. Now I get to make it even again. And Paul wrote me this letter, and I want to read it for you. And he stood up in front of the congregation, and he read it to him. He said, yeah, I have a right to condemn this guy. I, I have every right to do that. 
I have the authority, I have the power to do this. But instead, I'm going to appeal to him on the basis of love. I'm going to give him a choice because I never forget what I was before Paul found me. And you know what I think happened? I think it changed everything in that church. I think it changed lives forever because that's why we still have the letter today. That can happen here. Anytime you were given a position of authority and you were in God's kingdom, you are to be a servant to all. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you use real people in real situations to help us understand this tension. Because when I look inside my heart, God, man, sometimes it's difficult for me to do. Loving people is what you've called us to do, but man, there's some situations where it's really hard sometimes. People can hurt us. People can steal from us. They can steal our time. They can steal our relationships. Their gossip can steal our reputations. And man, it's really, it's really natural for us to want to get even. It's really natural for us to want to pay back that. It's really natural for us to want to get back what belongs to us. And God, when we're given position of authority, there's something about that that just kind of sometimes makes our head a little big and we think, man, we're just going to do this and you better do it because I said so and because I'm the boss. And <sighs> Jesus, you gave us a much deeper command. You said, no, not so among you. You said, if you want to be great, you'd be like me and you'd be a servant of everyone. you become their slave. God, I thank you for the life of Onesimus. And again, we don't know all of the circumstances and, and we can think things and when we get to heaven one day, we'll find out all the answers. But, but I thank you primarily for the relationship that Paul had with Philemon and that Philemon was open to what his pastor had to say. And he took that. And instead of feeling hurt and pain, he instead was motivated by love. The one thing that you said would set us apart as Jesus followers. It's counter to our culture, but yet it's so intuitive when it comes to God's kingdom that the greatest is to be the servant. And Jesus, we know this because when this happens to us, we love this and we, we want this for our lives. Give us the strength and wisdom and courage to do the same when, it, when we're on the other side of it because that's when it becomes difficult. God, I thank you so much for the call that you've put in my life to pastor this church. And Jesus, I know there's times when I get it wrong more than I get it right. But I'm so appreciative of that. And I pray that as long as you allow me to be in this position, that I would love like Paul, and I would love like Jesus, and I would love like Philemon. And that we would understand that we always have a choice as to what we can do but that none of us would ever forget who we are <laughs> and that only our authority comes only from you. And we want to serve you and love you. We ask all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.